0: Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. What are some qualities of a good communicator? You might initially think verbal mastery, but there is so much more. What about listening skills or perhaps the ability to improvise? What about curiosity, research, or even interviewing skills? We learn so much more about the art of communication from leaders across a wide range of industries. Today, we're fortunate to have our friend Michelle Wright join us to share her thoughts about how leaders can become much more effective communicators. And how they can be more impactful in their conversations. Michelle Wright is a news anchor and morning news reporter with Cox Media Group and is the founder of Wright Choice Media. She brings over 25 years of experience, including that of an anchor for KISS, 104.1 FM, and as such a media producer at CNN, where she wrote, edited, and produced, and anchored news that consisted of top stories from both national and international news for CNN's numerous radio affiliates around the world. Michelle, welcome to the Twins Talk It Up program. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. Happy to be on the show. Well, Michelle, this is David, and we're so glad to have you from time to time throughout our conversation here together. You might hear Dan or myself acknowledge who we are for our listeners. But Michelle, much of my work is to help leaders overcome what we call speaking anxiety, and we help them to increase their confidence and ultimately influence through the art of public speaking skills. And so a lot of what I'm trying to get across is how do we help people become more effective communicators. Now, Dan and I love working with our guests. We love hearing from their experiences. We want our guests to feel as if we've engaged them in a way that no other hosts have have done up to this point. We want them to feel like we're asking questions or we're bringing out insights that no one else has because we want our guests to feel appreciated. We want their story to shine, but we Mm -hmm. also recognize that we didn't go to school for journalism. We Mm -hmm. don't have the same experience that other people have, like yourself, other professionals who have done this for a living. And so we thought, let's get Michelle on. Let's learn from her. We want to become better hosts and and increase our interviewing skills or what we call conversational skills. But Mm -hmm. we also want our guests. Most of them are professional leaders. They're C-suite members. They're managers of companies. And they can benefit from what you're going to share with us today. So, Michelle, I'm so excited So let me start with this. There is an art to interviewing. There's an art to asking the right questions at the right time. But before we get into the insight of what it means to become an impactful and effective communicator in light of the health pandemic, Mm -hmm. what have we seen pre-pandemic and now that we're in this situation, hopefully coming out of it soon, any differences when you're interviewing people live in person versus when you interview them virtually on camera, can you talk about that and what can we take from that as professionals who are doing more and more virtual
1: meetings? Yeah, that's a great question, and and there is um, a, a different nuance when you're interviewing something somebody live versus interviewing somebody via Zoom. For example. When you're live, you can see body language. You can see how the person is sitting. You can see, are their legs crossed? Are their arms crossed? Um, What are they doing? When you're via Zoom or virtually, you usually, it's from the shoulders up, sometimes maybe from the waist up, but you can't really read the body language. And so that's one of those key things to then look for other cues to see if your guest is engaged in what you're talking about, listening to what you're saying, um, or asking versus just kind of in that Zoom fatigue where you like to call and everybody's just sitting there and they almost kind of look like their, their profile picture is up um, and they're not really engaging. And so a lot of what I do, and again, I um, am, am a news reporter, so I am always looking for more information from people. So I wanna make sure that folks are engaged and they're actually hearing the question that I'm asking as opposed to they hear me talking and then they can just give a random answer because that's that answer is gonna end up in a news story. And then I don't want them calling me back and saying, okay, well, that's not what I meant and you took me out of context. Um, and so a lot of the cues that I look for are um, in the face. are they do, Are they leaning forward? Are they leaning back? Are their eyes, um, open and engaged? or they kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever, things like that. And then um, depending on what it is, I may switch up the question. And so we might be talking about uh, the latest political race. And if somebody seems like they're just kind of, yeah, whatever, whatever, I may say something about the weather, something that will snap them out of it. And they can understand, like, oh, she's really listening to me. I just can't give these rote answers and I just can't put it on autopilot. Because to me, autopilot interviews are the worst interviews ever because you're not really finding anything out. That's something that you could have found out um, looking on Wikipedia or something like that.
0: This is Danny. And uh, I want to say that I think that you're you're helping our audience understand something which is a little bit deeper. There's a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of interviews that take place. And it's very, it's almost as if the person didn't do any homework, right? When they, like you said, they could go online, they could find the basic stuff. They're not really doing any in-depth research when they have special guests. Uh, So tell our audience today uh, a little bit more about the difference between having a conversation and the difference between having a conversation and then just talking to somebody. Um, far too, far too many, um, people are just, they're just into that script. They're just married to whatever the talking points are and they can't get past, Oh, let's take this question and get a little bit deeper. It's just like, no, I got to get through, I got to get through all my questions. I got it. I just have to, I don't know what else to do. I just got to get through my questions. And, and we see leaders do this too, when they do their forecasts. when they sit down and do all hands on call, it's almost as if they're robotic. They just go straight through everything. They don't read the audience. They don't look at their their his his or her own people's uh, eye movement to see if they're paying attention. To see if they care about it. Uh, What is the difference between having a conversation and then, of course, uh, engaging a person uh, and and making it a little bit more deeper?
1: Yeah, and that is a great point. And again, to me, there's a difference. If you're talking to it's it's having a lecture or a monologue, you're just the one talking and. Anybody can pay attention, they cannot pay attention, but it's you giving out the information. In a conversation, it goes back and forth. And there are times where you're going to interrupt or you're, it, there's a more natural flow of things. And for me, my interview style is very much communication. So I may have a list of questions, um, but rarely do I go through that list of questions. Because there is going to be something that the person I'm interviewing says that will spark another question that is not something that I may have known. Um, For example, uh, recently, you know, we just came out of the elections in 2020, and so there was a lot, and I am based in Georgia. And so, if you all remember, Georgia. Had some issues, we'll put it, and, and our election kind of extended past the November timeframe. Um, and so I was doing an interview with one of the um, county election board supervisors, and we're, we're sitting there, you know, and we're talking. And it's very basic. You're going to have early precincts, what's going on? Um, and I mentioned, I said, yeah, the lines are really long this year. And she said, yeah, we actually had to get porta potties because of the pandemic. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. I never would have thought that that's not on my list of things. But again, if you have long lines and we're in a pandemic, so buildings are closed. You can't have as many people going into restrooms. as So now there's an added cost that she has to her budget. And so the interview takes a different turn because then it's like, oh, you had to add portable. Well, that's good to know. And of course, as a newsman, our listeners are then thinking, yeah, if I got to wait in line for three hours to vote, am I going to have a place to use the restroom? Well, now they know the answer to that question. And that's just a conversation because it's not something I, I did not go in thinking I'm going to ask about restrooms, you know, in voting lines, because that wasn't necessarily a story, but how that by just listening, that turns into something that is a key nugget that most people want to know. And that's the other thing is usually if I have a question or if you have a question, other people probably have that question too. And Mm -hmm. so it's probably good to just go with your gut and ask that question. Michelle,
0: this is awesome. I love that you're opening this conversation up to areas that I've got to now dig even deeper. And I think that's part of the fun aspect that you can enjoy being (laughs) in a journalist being someone who's used to interviewing other leaders, other thought leaders, but there's gotta be a part of you that says, you know, I'm not going to just take that copy cut answer that pre-scripted, you know, rhetoric. And so you were able to take something that she was saying and say, Hey, let me ask a little bit more. Let me open up that wound. Let me open up that door since you gave it to me. And when we're talking about the elections, yeah, politicians, politicians, for some odd reason, I don't want to go into all the details, but they're so used to giving you their answers. You could ask a specific pointed question, but because it's not aligned with what they've already scripted, they're going to go ahead and somehow navigate it back to what they want to say anyways. So right. that happens. So I've got to ask you this then. You said something about using the weather or, or what we would call in the sales world a pattern interruption. Uh, what are some other ways you could bring somebody back into the conversation instead of letting them just kind of go off on tangents, Mm. perhaps on their pre-written script that they want to adhere to.
1: Yeah. And, and for me, it's a, it's going to be very different based on the situation I'm in. So, and the rapport I have with the person. So usually what I try to do is I try to build a rapport with somebody before I interview them. So they'll be comfortable and their guards are going to be down. Now, as you mentioned, politicians, they're used to talking, they're used to, here are my answer. Here are my talking points. And I'm going to make sure I hit those three talking points. Um, so there are times where I'm like, you know, I know your talking points are X, Y, Z. What I'm wondering is B. And so I'll ask them that. Sometimes they get flustered. Sometimes they circle around and, um, you know, and I'll say, you know what, that, that's great. Uh, however, our listeners are wondering more about B. So can you tell me a little bit more about B? Um, and then there are times where they'll go back on their talking points and they're talking X, Y, Z, and I'll say, you know what? I just want to ask you this one last time, because I know people really want to know your thoughts on this. And sometimes they do it. Sometimes they don't. So a lot of it is repetitive, but not just asking the same question, but asking the same question in a different way. And there have been plenty of times where I've gotten the same answer. And so I've included my question in my story and then the answer that was given. So I'll say, I asked Mr. Smith about the budget and here's what he told me. And then that way it's, I've presented the facts. So you know that I did my job as a journalist and I'm asking the question that people wanna know about. This is the answer that I was given. So now you can then make your assumption and your, your decision based on the facts. Um, and that is something that, that I've learned to do over the years covering all sorts of things um, of just, no, 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 I'm gonna ask this question. And I'm, I'm not a reporter who's, I'm not a gotcha journalist. I'm not an in your face. I'm not trying to catch you doing something. I am seeking the information. I am seeking the truth. If you choose to give it to me, that is great. If you don't, that's on you, but I need to tell you that I'm going to do that. And there have been times where I've called people for comment on really dicey situations. And usually I'll say, I know you don't want to talk about this, but the story is going to get done. So it would be wise for you to give me a call back or send me an email with comment because I'll include it. If you don't, I am going to be forced to say, I sought comment and Mr. Smith chose not to answer this is and good, just yeah. kind of leave it like that. <laughs>
0: right. Michelle, this is David. I, I'm loving this because it's really helping me to understand that with some, you've got to dig deeper. With some, you've got to bring them back when they're going off on tangents. With others, you've got to remind them of the premise of your question, why you are asking it in the first place. And I love even earlier, you said something about building rapport, about how do you help your interviewees feel at ease how do you help them to feel that connection and you say look you get there a little early you build that rapport you help them to understand who you are and your style and hopefully in time as you get with them over and over again they get to really a feel a better feel of your interviewing style for some of us we're great storytellers and every time we speak we involve some type of story to make our point for others of us there are not Many conversations, if at all, that we don't tie in some statistic or some fact, because everything with us is about logic. A plus B equals C, and for others of us, we're very crafty and we're very good at being able to say, "Hey, this is what you really meant to say, right?" And then we get them to really come out with their true selves. So I love how you shared all these different examples of how we could be able to discover more about our guests, more about our, our interviewees. And I love even at the very end, you say, "Hey, I put the ownership on them from my style." as an investigative reporter, I'm putting it on them to better clarify what they didn't want to give me in the first place because our listeners want to know, our audiences want to know. Right now, if you are listening to our Twins Talking Up program and you've not yet subscribed, go ahead and push the pause button on this show. Go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and share with us and our audiences why you love the Twins Talking Up program. Give us a five-star review, say something nice about the Twins. You can even say that one is more eloquent the other. It doesn't matter, but we're so grateful to have you on. And uh, we really do appreciate you listening to our program. So I'm going to go ahead and just say thank you for that and uh, turn it back over to Danny. Uh, yeah, this is Danny. Uh, we know that words have incredible power influence, specifically if you're a person of authority, if you're a parent or a C-level executive uh, to your child or to your employees, what you say and the way you position with your body Matters. Now, you being in the news industry and and doing interviews your whole career, um, how do you help your colleagues, how do you help people to measure their words carefully, to think about their questions carefully, to, to, to think about not only the right thing to say, but the after, the consequences, the after effect of what they have said. How do you help them to think about that ahead of time before they just open up their mouth? We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Live, Love, Thanks. Live, Love, Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women's. I am delighted to announce that at Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why App Meetup and DSB Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line, podcast and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast.
1: I have been very, very fortunate to work in a lot of good collaborative newsrooms. And so a lot of times what we'll do is... Hey, I've got this interview with this person. Do you know something I don't know? And being able to to build that team together, and usually, and, and we then are able to develop our strengths. And so for me, my one of my strengths is uh, pop culture, is entertainment, is lifestyle. Where a lot of news reporters, that's not their, you know, that's not their strength. And so. Um, if one of my colleagues, say, is interviewing uh, a politician, and this goes back to the research as well, it's going, hey, I'm going to interview um, the mayor. For example, the mayor of Atlanta is, currently is Keisha Lance Bottoms. Her father was a singer. And so there are times where it's like, hey, so if you're talking to to Mayor Bottoms, you know, you might want to ask her about her dad and that song that he, you know, he, he actually was a very popular singer in the 60s, which is something that I can bring to the table and tell my colleague who's then interviewing this person, hey, if you're if you're Stonewall, if, if she, you feel like she's Stonewalling you, here's a pattern interrupter. Here's something that you might wanna ask. And being able to not be afraid to ask other folks about that. We've got, um, one of our reporters is, is a health reporter. So with her, I'm like, hey, I'm interviewing the school district. Tell me a little bit about the COVID numbers because Mm -hmm. then I can go in and say, hey, our COVID numbers in the county where your school is are this, are you concerned? Tell me a little bit about that because parents are wondering how they can help their kids because nobody wants to go back virtual. And really just trying to work with key members of your team and knowing their strengths and then being able to work because once we work together, it, it turns out better for all involved. Well, you have a better interview. You have a better candidate if you're actually interviewing for a job, if everybody can get involved in that.
0: Michelle, this is David. I do appreciate you sharing that. I wanna circle back to something you shared earlier about listening for the, the areas where you feel like you're not getting the answers you want. And then you're able to go back and ask, but I want to talk about critical listening skills as mm-hmm. something that's so important for an interviewer, because you might capture something that's maybe just mentioned or something that's just brought out by the person you're interviewing. And that is where you want to hone in on because that's going to make them shine. Maybe they didn't really talk often about their contributions they made to some type of uh nonprofit organization that they love, but you're, initial focus of the interview was about their involvement with, with their company. And because they mentioned it and you were really listening in tune with where they were at, you're able to pause right there and focus in on what they're passionate about. And then all of a sudden you see their their, their eyes light up and they're glowing and, and they get this this sense of they're sitting up a little bit more when they're talking with you because they're happy that you've identified something. So can you talk about listening skills and why that's so important for an interviewer? Because- we don't want to get so captured and caught up with what we want to say. We really want to highlight what, what's on their heart. So can you talk about listening skills and why it's so important that interviewers are really growing and critical listening?
1: Yeah. And I think that is a key point. And it circles back to the difference between talking and having a conversation, because when you're having a conversation, Hopefully, you're listening to the answers to help propel that conversation. And that's the same skill to take into an interview. So, yes, you may have your list of questions, but if you're listening to the answers, you may come up with a whole different way to pivot the interview that then is more interesting than what your initial list of questions is and so there is critical listening there is paying attention it's paying attention to the answers that the person is giving you and not necessarily like oh okay so what is my next question as they're talking and they're answering you have your your paper here that has the questions and you want to make sure you cover it all and you have missed this gem that could have been mined and shown like the brightest diamond there ever was, but you were so in your head that you were focused. And and, and so a lot of it is getting out of yourself, getting out of your head and paying attention to the conversation. Again, if you're over dinner, hopefully when you say, hey, how was your day? You're gonna listen to the answer. And then if the person says, Oh, you know, it was a good day. I, you know, ran down to the DMV, got my, you know, license. And it was weird because there's a bunch of cops down there. And then I saw Usher and then, you know, and then I ran to the grocery store because I had to pick up some milk and... Wait, you saw Usher at the DMV? Like, you know, there, there's that where, but if you are just kind of going, oh, okay. Oh, so then you went to the grocery store. Oh, okay. You've you've missed Missed what is really, you know, a key interesting point of this person's day. Um, And that's the same in, in an interview style and critical listening.
0: Michelle, this is David. I love where you're going with that. You said something that's interesting. You said hidden gem. What are other factors that can really hinder or affect great conversations? Because... If we're not listening for those gems, I, I really believe we, we won't have as an effective or powerful or interesting conversation, but are there any other areas that can hinder a great conversation from occurring? Let's say you could be speaking with the president of the United States. You could be speaking with the president of a company. What, what are some other factors or other things that can hinder great conversations?
1: A lot of times it's nerves. A lot mm-hmm. of times people get really nervous and which is why they rely on their talking points because, okay, I've written it all out and then I can sound like I've got it all together. Um, And sometimes you just need to be human. Acknowledge that you're nervous. Acknowledge that you're geeking out. I um, was able to interview Fred Gray recently and he was a lawyer for Martin Luther King Jr. and Rosa Parks. And I was like, okay, I just need to tell you, I'm kind of geeking out right now. Because I realize what you have done is allowing me to live the life that I have, and I'm 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 gonna nerd out now. Again, I'm gonna be professional, but I'm not out a little bit, and I need you to know that. And so, which again was it, it's a confidence builder because if somebody's like, "Oh wow, they're they're excited to interview me," they see what I have to bring to the table instead of I've got it all together and I'm the professional. No, you want to, you know, let it breathe and letting it breathe. I think that's the other thing is a lot of times people want to fill it and feel Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, I got to fill the time. And sometimes you just need to let it breathe, let the pause happen. And really that will, that will fill it up. Or if there's something that you remember that you think, well, this may be a non sequitur, but, um, I know that this person has this in common. For example, I was, um, I was interviewing former President Clinton at at one point. And so we're talking and just a little background on me. I'm a military child and my dad was in the military and he happened to be named the first torch runner for the 96 Olympics. And as part of that, he was invited to the White House and was mentioned in the State of the Union address. And that was in 96. So I'm interviewing President Clinton in about 2004-ish. And so we're having a, and again, this is Bill Clinton. I mean, it's Bill Clinton. Regardless of your politics, it's Bill Clinton. Um, And so I was like, finished the interview, and I was like, "Eh, I have to ask you this one thing. You may think this is a little weird, but my dad, and, you know, just went into this personal story, and he was like, oh, I remember your father. We did this, this, this." and I was like, wait, you remember my dad? And he was like, yeah, and then he's telling me this story about how... Yeah, we talked and then after the State of the Union, we went down and we were in the Oval Office and I'm like, oh, "Goodness, my this is so great. And, and again, there's that rapport. Yeah. And so you might even find something out that wasn't even in the interview, but that is still one of those things that you'll hold and treasure and you'll be so glad you did. And again, then when you call back, you have that rapport and somebody else is more willing to take your call.
0: Mm-hmm. Michelle, Michelle, this is David. I'm gonna tell you, that is so exciting. I mean, I'm so inspired just even hearing that, and what a joy to be able to hear the president, former president, mention your dad. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I'm blown away by that. And I like how you said that it's such a, a, an opportunity, you know, to be able to take that mm-hmm. and and really build upon it, build that rapport. And, and you got some street cred. That's what that is, Michelle. I love that. <laughs> so I want to I want to follow up with something that you said earlier about nerves and about silence in conversations because mm-hmm. for so many people when there's silence they get nervous they think instantly did I do something wrong or why is there this, this awkward silence and and why is there this pause where when Dan and I are speaking and we teach our classes and our trainees pausing can be great mm-hmm. it can be a great way to collect yourself a, a moment for you to let your guests to digest what's being said or, or maybe they're resonating and marinating on the question that's being asked. Don't look at pauses as reasons to become insecure and have to fill it up, pick up your speed, find an awkward question, throw in something that doesn't make any sense. I remember when I was doing an interview uh, back in uh, probably about five, six years ago, I was c- covering college football, Michelle, and I was doing a conference media day mm-hmm. and I was interviewing the star quarterback of that conference, Conference USA, saying. And I had everything lined up. The rest of the interview went great, but I blew it in the very beginning because I asked a question. There was a silence, and so I, then I said, "Oh yeah, because you because you went to Miami." Well, he went. He grew up in Miami, Florida, mm-hmm. and the school they were facing was in Miami of Ohio, and so he actually had to correct me on that. And then I right. then I calmed down and I followed with him. So he was very professional, not just as a quarterback, polished quarterback, but even in right. terms of being interviewed. I love that. So how do you help people you're training or people you've spoken with other, let's say reporters, investigators to get comfortable with silence and how to push through that? Because maybe there isn't a reason to be insecure or nervous, but how do you help them to overcome moments of silence?
1: Um, And a a lot of it, honestly, is just trial and error. And so it's hey, so you did this interview, there was a silence and you filled it. And hey, let's let's listen to this interview where somebody else left that silence and you can hear the emotion. You can hear that. Like whenever there's a a pregnant pause, there's a reason why it's called pregnant. There's something that's in there. It's filling something, whether it's awkwardness, whether it's emotion, sadness, Whether it's joy, whether it's resignation, there's a pause there that you can then say that conveys so much. Mm. And really just a lot of times I just compare and contrast like, okay, so this interviewer, let's look at this. And this person filled that pause. This interviewer didn't. Mm. And so what do you, what was the, what do you think is the better one? What do you think conveyed more of what we were trying to see and somebody who's great at that who i study religiously is oprah winfrey like Hmm. when you look at an oprah winfrey interview there are times she will just sit there and let it breathe and i'm like okay clearly this person doesn't want to answer this question you should say something but that's what makes it so great yeah
0: this is danny i think when I think about that, I think that's very powerful. I love the pause. As Dave said, we we teach the pause. I love how you brought up Oprah Winfrey and it always seems like she's just breathing. And, and the person that's on the other end is like, oh my gosh, I better say something. <laughs> so she, she didn't even say anything, but it makes the person feel this pressure. Um, so let's look at interviewing from a cultural perspective. I, I used to lead channel sales globally. I was also the head of sales for a virtualization company globally where I had direct reports in different countries. And there's this one aspect of communication here in America. Now you got to think about communication, clarity and cultural awareness in other countries, specifically my direct reports. And I remember when I was in, in Tokyo, for example, uh, each of the countries that I oversaw had what we call a country director. This was the basically the head of the office for the country. And it was his or her job when I walked in to basically give me the cultural education, the one-day cultural education, how to act around other people, and as well as teach uh, me where I'm supposed to stand, where I'm supposed to sit, all aspects of it, just to make sure I don't mess up anything. And so when I, for example, when I went to Tokyo, I had on my desk um, a whole day of agendas and then a training session. For myself here's how you're supposed to act here's what you're supposed to do here's where you're supposed to sit when a person gives you the business card here's what you're supposed to do with the business card all sorts of stuff what are what are some ways that you help leaders to connect better with people that they're speaking to whether it be here in the u.s maybe geographical it could be the southeast u.s which is totally different right uh in the way they care themselves compared to boston new york areas what are ways that you can help leaders to better connect with the people they're talking to regionally where they're at?
1: Yeah, and that is such a, a nuanced and great question. And, and I love that you had people who would help you with that because there's a lot of times people don't know and they're just defaulting to their culture and they're assuming that everybody is the same. And so there, do, there is that research aspect of it of, okay, understand that this person is coming from this background and uh, we joke a lot in the newsroom. Cause again, I'm in the Southeast. I'm in Atlanta. Mm. I grew up in the Northeast and yes, it's the East coast of the United States, but the Northeast new England is vastly different than the Southeast in Georgia. And one of the, even just, it, it seems very minor, but it's actually pretty major is the college football. Mm. I don't, I didn't grow up watching college football. That's just not what we did. College basketball was big, but pro football is, is a New England. In the South, it's all about college football. And so I, I needed actually my coworkers to help me. I remember I had uh, just moved to Orlando and I was working there. And one of the first things, one of my coworkers, she sat me down and she said, okay, understand it's the University of Florida Gators. And it's the Florida State Seminoles. Don't ever get them mixed up. And I was like, but they're, I mean, it's Florida. They're all the same, you know, because I grew up in Connecticut. So we had UConn, you know, it was University of Connecticut. She was like, no, it will be, I need you to know this. And so a lot of it is understanding what you may not understand and then being able to ask for that. And so a lot of times I'll tell leaders, I'll tell people like, Okay, understand you don't understand this. Understand you as a C-suite level person don't understand what it's necessarily like entry level. Yes, you may have worked entry level, not saying that you did, but you probably worked entry level before there was a thing called Facebook. So remember that and then know that this entry level person also is trying to care for their kids also is trying to like put yourself in their situation before you go in there and just try to relate. And there are times where you just have to say, you know what? I, I can't relate because this is different, but I care. And I think that's the other thing is conveying the care, which people really enjoy. People understand if I come out and they say, you know what? I was not raised in the Southeast. I don't, fully grasp this college football thing can you help me because to me I think the fall is a great time to plan a wedding on a Saturday in the southeast is like no why, why would you even do that like no and so even understanding I don't understand this culture so I may have to ask some questions
0: we'll be right back after this short break We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jakowitz of pauljakowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul pauljakowitz.com. That's paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. Michelle, this is David. I'm having so much fun here. I mean, I wish our audience, the listeners can't see my face, but I am like laughing because it is so true in the South. It's about football. That's their love. And Dan, and I recently had a interview with another friend of his, who's a director of sales, VP of sales, and it was all about football. And he even had on it with the college that he follows football shirt on. And he's like, is this okay? I'm wearing this. I'm like, look, dude, that's your South. You're in the South. Right. After our recording, we're maybe to go out and watch some football. That's your thing. But it's so true. It impacts it. But you said something, Michelle, and, and I really got to throw this out here because you said something interesting about sensitivity and how much of our interviewing skills has to involve a sense of humanity. You, you can't be so stoic that you don't take in the heart element. And so let's talk about timing and sensitivity for a moment. If, if, if you are interviewing someone, for example, that just had their house burning down or mm. burned down, the first thing you should ask them is how do you feel? You, you know, the house is burning behind them. Of course they feel devastated. Perhaps a different question would make more sense. Being sensitive, being in tune with your, your interviewee is everything. So can you talk about how is this a skill or is this something that has to be intuitive and you're kind of born with this instinct to know oh oh, stop it's a heart let me figure out what's going on with that person's heart let me let me stop because I know I'm opening up a can of worms here that I shouldn't go there or let me stop because I now notice instinctively or maybe I because I've grown in the skill set that there's something going on I need to address so Michelle is it instinct you're born with it is it a skill you can grow and learn it let's talk about empathy and sensitivity
1: yeah and i think that is so key in interviewing and i do think it's a combination of both um you know i am naturally empathetic i am naturally kind of like pulling for the underdog um, there are some of my colleagues are who are not naturally that way but they've learned to grow in it and a lot of it is just okay, how would I feel if this were happening to me? And and you still are going to get the reporters who ask the, so how do you feel? And, you know, we're in the newsroom usually. We hear them, we're like, oh my gosh, what a stupid question. Um, because you're like, well, and, and I understand why they ask the question because hmm. they're looking for a soundbite. They're looking for the answer because you want to know how how does the person feel? Because that is, that can help your audience then care. But there's another way that you can phrase that. And it's one of those things of like, I can only imagine if it were me, I would be feeling X, Y, Z. Is that similar to what you're feeling? You can mm. then help that person understand you're not just trying to get something from them. Because a lot of times that's what it can come off is, I'm just trying to get the information from you, just give me what I want and then I'm out. But really, am I here with you? And that's one of the, and and there are things that are hard to cover. And, you know, one of the things I absolutely hate covering is funerals. I hate covering funerals. Uh, But there are times where I have to, where it's a news story and I have to cover it. And so a lot of times I'll go and I'm like, look, I don't want to be here. I know you don't want me here. I just, I need to do my job. And so if we can, if you can just give me a quick sound bite, be happy to let you then grieve in peace, or there's a fire at somebody's home and I'm showing up and I'm like, I know that this is a bad time. And, and I hate to even have to come to ask you this, but I'm, I'm just trying to, to do my job. And if you can just give me something, I promise I will be out of your hair mm-hmm. in the next 45 seconds. And that can usually help people understand, okay, she's a human, she understands what's going on, she's just trying to do her job, let me cut her some slack and be able to, to answer the question. And so to me, empathy is, is key in building that rapport because you're understanding what that person is going through and where that person is at the time.
0: This is Danny. I, I appreciate you saying that because it is important to understand what people are going through, how they're feeling. At times, the person you're interviewing may come across as insensitive or a jerk, but really, there's a lot going on internally. And it's important for us to be able to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had mentioned earlier about uh, interviewing uh, President Clinton, and uh, it is known that he has uh, photographic memories. And so he doesn't forget anything. But it seemed to me that your father made a lasting impact to him, which is phenomenal. People make a lasting impact to them. And I say this because a lot of our clients, whether they be CEOs of their businesses or teams that I'm leading, uh, a lot of our clients that Dave and I both have, how can we leave and make a lasting impact with them as well? Because we want two years later, two months later, three months later, when they're ready to buy or they're ready to move forward they can say wow i remember when danny carried that olympic torch right something like that <laughs> which your dad did but how can we make sure that we are leaving a lasting impact as well when we interview people
1: that's a great question and i think it kind of goes back uh to david's question about the empathy um if somebody if you feel a connection with somebody if you make that connection they're more apt to remember you because you hmm made that connection with them. You took that time Mm -hmm. and it takes time to do that. It's not, Mm -hmm. you can't just get in and get out. You can't emote empathy in a short amount of, you know, like with an agenda, you can't take that. But if you're like, oh, I'm taking the time. Hey, how are you? What's going on today? Um, I don't know if you're familiar. There's a show now called Ted Lasso. And Mm -hmm. a lot of it is him going on and, and how he makes this connection with people and it takes time. And everybody's thinking, we don't have time for this. Like we've got a job to do, we've got soccer to run. But he is like, no, 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 there's some little things. Let's celebrate this person's birthday. Let's understand this. And so there's some key things that people can do just to be like, oh, I remember her. She asked me about this. Now there are times I may not remember that, but part of it is leaving that lasting impression. So then if I do come back, people will want to take my call. They'll want to respond to my email. They'll understand that I do value their time and I value who they are as a person. And that seems to then help people be more endeared and more than want to come back. Um, And then as a journalist, that's key because when there's something going on, you want to get the heads up. So there are times where I'm like, hey, okay, so I can give you this and then, oh, you're going to call me and give me a heads up that something's about to happen. Great. Thank you. And it's, it can work like that. And so it is taking that time to be empathetic, to build that rapport, to listen to what the people are saying, acknowledge if you can see that they're going through a rough time. And maybe that's, you know what? Today's not a great day for you. How about we reschedule this for tomorrow? They're going to remember that act of kindness and then want to defer to you the next time.
0: Yeah. Michelle, this is David. I want to thank you for your thoughts. That was fascinating. And I'm so tempted to want to dig deeper to asking about your favorite interviews of all time. Who do you like to listen to? I mean, there are people that you literally would tune into if they're speaking or they're interviewing somebody because there's such a craft and a style. And so for our audience that may look at our program and say, Dave, you bring on great leaders, you bring on great stories. This is incredible, incredible insight and content, because we all want to become more effective in our communication skills. We want to have more impact in our organizations. We want to be able to speak in a way where people listen, and they remember what's being shared. And more than that, they remember because they felt our hearts. They mm-hmm. felt where we were coming from. So if I could sum this up, Michelle, from someone who's done this for over 25 years, interviewing incredible leaders, incredible people from all specters of life, I'm going to walk away with this. Dave, you've got to do your research. You've got to know who you're speaking to. You've got to know what you're going to be talking about. You've got to find angles that perhaps no one else has found. And that might mean leaning on other leaders for their help. Talking to other reporters, like you said, talking to other people within the company to say, give me more insight in this. It also might mean that you have to take the time to practice. you got to practice asking the right questions with the right inflection of your voice, with the right tense in the certain words or the verbs that you're going to use. Practicing over and over again. you got to become comfortable with the silences. There are going to be times where you're going to get that pregnant pause, and you got to be okay with that. you got to be able to know when to in- interject or bring people back with a pattern of interruption. If they're going off course or they're deflecting, how can you bring them back in? And Michelle says there's, there's certainly an art to that. And I also want to share that she mentioned about having a style. Her style is all about relationships. She's very relational. She's there to get to know you. It's beyond the first name basis, it's beyond the title that you carry at your company or that's on that nameplate. She wants to get to know you. That's her relationship style. And there are other people that use styles of storytelling. There are other people that love statistics and facts. Stick to your style, and that's going to help you to become a more effective communicator. Plus, it's going to give the person you're speaking with, if you are speaking with them over and over again, an understanding of who you are and how you're going to approach them. Because the first time or the next time you come to them and you bring a different style, it's going to raise red flags. So I appreciate that. So Michelle, you talk about all these different things, including listening skills and empathy. This is how we become better at becoming communicators. And for Dan and I, and what we're trying to do with this program, with the Twins Talking Podcast, we want to become more effective as interviewers of the people we bring on. So, on behalf of my twin brother Michelle, we want to thank you for sharing some of your time with our guests, and we hope that you come back on again to bless our
1: show. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSP Leadership and visit us online at dspleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.